Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Live on KMOX. Uh, welcome back, my friends. Hour number two. That's right, hour number two of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX in the heart of mid-America. And I got to tell you, folks, uh, you know I'm a huge racing fan. And w- yesterday here, right here at Worldwide Technology Raceway in our own backyard, what a fantastic race it was. Uh, I got to tell you, it just kept you on the edge of your seat all the way till the end. Uh, St. Louis put on a great show all day yesterday, I should say all weekend as well. We're going to recap the race. We're going to bring in the man, the myth, the mystery, the legend that is Kenny Wallace. <laughs> you're crazy, but I love it. Hang on, Kenny. <laughs> Am I crazy? Oh, you're you're always crazy. I got something. Right. Here we go. A finish. White flag lap as they come down the line. One to go. Racing for the lead in the Winston 500. Contact between Earnhardt Jr. and Skinner. Bobby Labonte tries to sandwich in. Meanwhile, the outside lane is long gone as they get to turn one. Dale Earnhardt leads the way. Now it is Kenny Wallace who moves up to the second position on the final lap of the Winston 500. Joe Nemechek pulls up into the third position. It is a three-car breakaway. Last trip down the back stretch. Decision time at Talladega as Dale Earnhardt tries to do it again. But here comes Kenny Wallace looking to the outside lane. Earnhardt blocks him going into three. Three car race for the win. Kenny Wallace looking for that breakthrough victory. Earnhardt trying to block him high and low. Nobody jumping out of line. Here come the leaders off the corner. It's going to be a three-way battle for the win. They'll come by the Ted Musgrave car with Earnhardt leading. Here they come into the trioval. Kenny Wallace, one final shot at Dale Earnhardt. Behind him, the whole pack steaming for the finish line. Dale Earnhardt wins it. Earnhardt wins the Winston 500 as there's trouble after the finish. Ward Burton spins. Car is spinning. Steve Grissom crashes after the checkered flag. About six cars are involved down in turn number one. But it is over here at Talladega. Dale Earnhardt has won the race. Well, Kenny, every time we have you on, i got to play that. You know, that's one of uh, still gives me goosebumps every time I, I hear that. Boy, you know how to get on my good side. <laughs> I, absolutely, I, I absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, it now it's been a long time ago you know um i kind of i kind of felt some goosebumps like that yesterday uh with nascar finally coming to st louis you know we we never ever thought uh the cup series would get to this racetrack because i never thought the facilities were too too standard but when 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 curtis francois bought that racetrack and he got chris blair it was a big game changer. You're absolutely correct. And I got to tell you what, first of all, Kenny, I got to say this before we get into the race. How awesome was it for you to be back on TV yesterday? It was great seeing you on all the broadcasts because you're still the man when it comes to it. <laughs> now stop it. You're embarrassing me. But <laughs> it, listen, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. They, they made me, uh, they made me happy, made me feel like I mattered, but I do not want to go back to that life. You know, I'll be 59 
in August, and I'm retired, having a great time with my dirt car and my family. But, yes, yesterday was just absolutely awesome. Uh, You know, I worked for Fox uh, Sports for 15 years and made a lot of great friends. And uh, Jacob Allman and Eric Shanks, the president of Fox, you know, they – they're good friends of mine, and I retired on my own, and they and uh, we're still really good friends. I got to tell you, I thought it was fantastic, though, because I do miss seeing you on the race broadcast because you bring a lot of energy to it and a, a, a lot of insight when it comes down to it. And you're a fan favorite. You know, it's it's. I'm still trying to understand it. They they say that I'm different, that I bring a different insight. I guess. I guess I view the world differently than everybody. Uh, I, I think that's a good thing. Well, if you, everybody view, if you know, I don't know what it is, but they they say that about me. Well, you know what it is, Kenny. It's because it's just like every time you're on the show with me, you're you're always exciting. It's always intriguing, and you're all, you're you're up on the wheel when you're on the broadcast. <laughs> well, we, we did we did see a lot yesterday, and we went to commercial break, and I was lucky because they brought me in the second stage is a guest and and the second stage was when all the action happened. You know, that's, I mean, the the finish was awesome. Maybe I wish I would have been there to the end, but it was never planned. You know, I was a guest. So I was there for, for a long time. And I was there when Ross Chastain, you know, dumped, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin. And then of course the fan favorite, he he dumped uh, Chase Elliott. So I was able to, uh, Give my two cents, and then we went to commercial break. Uh, the producer Barry Landis, uh, he says you're doing a good job, and I said I'm just trying not to talk too much. He goes, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. most, most people would rather hear you than Michael Waltrip to begin with, but maybe that's just my own personal opinion. But uh, uh, Mikey's a good friend of mine. I didn't say he was a bad guy. That's not what yeah. I meant. No, but, yeah, he, 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 as they say, you know, he's been he's been on broadcast a long time. Anytime you're on TV that long, yeah, it, it, it gets to where people start talking about you. But that's nice of you. Thank you. Well, it's, it's the truth. And I think I speak for a lot of fans out there because, you know, not only that, but, you you know, when you're at the racetrack, you're posting videos and stuff and, you know, it, greeting the fans when they come yesterday and all sorts of stuff. And, I mean, people really look for that. I mean, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a personable guy. And, you know, people have asked me all the time, like, is Kenny Wallace really like that? When he's on the radio with you, is he like that? I go, yeah, he's really like that in real life. And I'm a little unruly too. I, <laughs> I don't like to. I don't like to obey the rules. So, I, uh, you know, um, I guess I learned that from my dad. You know, n- not to be mean, but you know, when I did TV for 15 years, they put me on that pre-race show, and it was called NASCAR Race Day built by the Home Depot, and it was such a hit. Ratings were so huge, and uh, they had to end the show because the show was expensive, and it was on the road, and it, it had a game day college-type feel. Well, Eric Shanks, uh, the president of Fox Sports, he looked me right in the eye, and he said, I hate that we had to get rid of race day, but it was a lot of money, and you know we had to start FS1. So on that show... They told me, listen, we hired you to give your opinion. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And I'll never forget that. So my objective was never be mean, but say what I mean. And, uh, you know, they would ask me questions like, hey, you know, Bobby Labonte and Tony Stewart are teammates. 
why is Tony Stewart running better than Bobby? And I would say, well, I think Tony Stewart's engineers are better. They got a hand up on that team. Well, you know, they call me on the phone. Why'd you say that? I said, you told me that. Oh, oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know, I'm jaded because I know too much. Right. Right. And, uh, so sometimes when you know too much, you know too much, and you and you say it, and it's the truth. Absolutely. Hey, I, you brought up Ross Chastain earlier. Uh, what did you think her his interview with Jamie Little after the race was over, where Ross Chastain just said, "Hey, look, it was all my fault. Uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing week after week. It seems like just I keep hit, making these same mistakes." And uh, he says, "I'm going to pay for it on the track, but I'm going to have a conversation." Uh, she said, are you going to have a conversation with uh, Elliot and Hamlin? He goes, I'm going to have a conversation with all the drivers. Yeah, you know, and we have seen this before. It, it was Ernie Irvin, uh, you know, maybe 30 years ago. Of course, in my in my days, you know, the 90s, uh, you know, and into the 2000s, Ernie Irvin went in, got into a stretch where I don't know if his, uh, you know, his eyes, you know, I don't know, you know, Ernie eventually, he only wore glasses after he got hurt. Ernie just kept running into people, like, you know, just running into them. And uh, I will never forget it. He stood up in front of everybody at Talladega and said, listen, I'm sorry. And, you know, it was, you know, then, then everybody loved him because you almost you almost felt sorry for the guy. He's like, oh, damn. Well, you, you know, what was interesting yesterday was when I was on the broadcast, we were able to uh, talk offhand. And, you know, uh, back in studio was Larry McReynolds. And and he had all the telemetry, meaning real time data, and we we could see that Ch- uh, Ross Chastain he he was really all over the brakes, an enormous amount of brake pressure. He was trying to stop, you know, but he just got in too hard, and and then he then he of course he took out Denny Hamlin. Then so many laps later, he now that one had nothing to do with brakes. He was going three wide and. You know, you got to pick and choose your battles, and there was still a long way to go in a race. And, uh, of course, he took out the fan favorite. And that one he really paid for because Denny Hamlin, or, you know, was one thing, but Chase Elliott, he's one of the most popular sure. drivers forever. So the fans were really upset about that one. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Kenny, I had to take a break. Can you hang with me a few more minutes? Absolutely. All right, fantastic. We're visiting with Kenny Wallace here on Sports Open Line. Got to do a little business, though. We're going to come right back. Stick around. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All the news and all that matters to you. The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Hey, it's Monday night right here in the heart of Mid-America. That's right, KMOX Radio. It is Sports Open Line. Greg Damon hanging out with you till 8 o'clock tonight. And on the phone with us, joining us here on the program. That's right, he's the Herminator. Our own Kenny Wallace joins us. Hey, Kenny, thanks again for hanging out with us tonight on KMOX. You sound good. Your voice sounds good. You have a lot of energy. I like listening. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. I, you know, it's funny because uh, 
I, I always try when I'm when I'm on the radio, and I, I try to be up on the wheel. I try to be like this is uh, you know the coolest thing because I, <laughs> I I'm I'm just I'm just interested in in everything that we talk about. So I try to uh, I re- I try remember. To be I remember when you first started, and uh, as they say, you've come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I'm old now, Kenny. That's what it is. So you're you're uh, you're wiser. Yeah, that's what they say. So I I don't know. I still try, still uh, still doing a lot of a lot of crazy stuff, just like yourself. But uh, right. anyway, let's talk a little about uh, back to the race. We go. Uh, we were talking about Ross uh, Ross Chastain before we went uh, before we went to break and and uh, talked a little about him and 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 the issues he had uh, yesterday at Gateway. Uh, but I got to tell you, you, you being a former uh, NASCAR professional and driven at Gateway several times. I mean, it's a tough track to navigate. So, you know, we're supposed to know what we're doing, right? And, and, <laughs> and you know, we make mistakes. But, uh, you know, that racetrack has always been a lot of fun for me. Uh, we always use uh, very technical terms. Uh, and and the, the truth about, uh, you know, we call it Gateway. Of course, it's sponsored by Worldwide Technology, but it's got very long straightaways, as we know. So you build up an enormous amount of speed, and then you're asking the car to slow down right away. And, you know, what happens is every once in a while, guys misjudge it. And uh, But the word in the garage area, uh, and I, I'm hearing this from friends of mine that I don't want to tell you who they are because they're my friends. They tell me that drivers in the garage area they're growing tired of ross chastain i i believe that ross chastain is hearing that uh i think he he doesn't want to make enemies you know it's listen the great dick trickle one of the greatest race car drivers of all time he grew up in wisconsin and they raced six out of seven nights and he and he said to me the great dick trickle said my boy we don't have time to be wrecking each other because we got to race each other every night, you know, and, and basically they became competitors, you know, and, and that's the way it is in NASCAR. Now you can have enemies as long as you don't mind getting wrecked every week, but you know, you can't win races like that and you can't win championships like that. So it's all fun and games. I have a driver that's aggressive, you know, when, when Earnhardt was like that, he created his reputation where, you know, he, he was in control. Earnhardt could, can move you. He wasn't so much wreck you so much. I mean, he did at times, but he was a tough guy. You didn't jack with him. He could back it up. And, uh, it, you know, you look in the mirror, and here come Earnhardt. And that meant you was in his way. And you had two choices, move the hell out of the way or get run over. And, and Earnhardt didn't give you but a lap, maybe. And so right now, you know, we're in a different environment and uh, not everybody can be a Dale Earnhardt, you know. Uh, So it it is interesting to watch play out. Uh, I don't think Ross wants to be known as a driver that's uh, wrecking everybody. No, you're you're 100 percent correct. And especially when you're a driver, if you're going for points, if you're going for you know, the playoffs towards the end of the year, you can't be worried about somebody coming up behind you and knocking you out of the way. Well, you know, and you're right, and we talked about that on the broadcast. Um, because Clint Boyer's on the broadcast every week, he can only get away with so much. Me, I was on there one time, and 
I just said it. I said, hey, it was the great Dale Senior that said, look, I will get you back. I will wreck you back when you least expect it and when it matters the most. And just when you think Earnhardt forgot about it, he'd get you when it mattered the most. And I noticed that Denny Hamlin used that after the race yesterday. He, he goes, did. I will get him back when it means the most. Absolutely he did. That was uh, That's great that you brought that up because that was one of my next questions to, uh, to uh, ask you about. Um, <clears throat> so for the city of uh, St. Louis and uh, right over here in Illinois, the, uh, the Metro East, what do you think? I thought I thought we put on a great event for everybody involved. It was a grand slam. I tease. I say the only thing that went wrong is the beer lines were too long. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, I got to tell you, uh, I went way up top before I went on uh, national TV. I was way up there. And my brother Rusty Wallace was texting me. And he goes, hey, they're, they're backed all the way up, you know, to, to East St. Louis. And I said, oh, no. He goes, no, but they're, they're rolling. They're moving. So, you know, they did an incredible job. Chris Blair, Curtis Francois, they got a, a hold of the Illinois State Police. They got, a, they got help from Pritzer. They shut down one lane of Illinois Route 203. And one hour before the race, everybody was in, and there was not any line in the, in the parking lots. Everybody was in. And uh, to me, that was absolutely awesome, and I was so proud of them for that. Uh, I, I did not hear one complaint from one person. And if they did complain, they probably just cut it a little too close. You know, sure. you know when there's, when there's 60,000 people at a place, you, you can't leave two hours before the event, <laughs> you know. You're exactly right, but uh, most people don't seem that way. But, you know, that's been the big knock, obviously. Uh, uh, about Worldwide Technology Raceway before when it was Gateway Raceway, it was like always tough to get in there, and it's like you just had to wait in line forever, and the same thing with you when you left. And, and, and just like you, I heard nobody complaining about it. Curtis Francois, the owner, was able to purchase more land behind the racetrack. That was key because now we have way more parking space. Now we have the parking space that fits the grandstands, and they did another brilliant thing. They made sure that everybody had a parking sticker. That meant that your lot would not be full. So, you know, you go downtown and you go to all those parking garages and it goes full. And you're like, darn it. Well, here, if you had an orange sticker, a brown sticker, a red sticker, that meant you were going to park because they figured it out that if you had an orange sticker, your orange lot would never be full. So, you know, from that standpoint, it was a home run. Another thing that, you know, I want to draw attention to was uh, the facility was upgraded. You know, the fans were able to, you know, purchase a ticket or just get a pass, go through the tunnel, get very close to the drivers, see the race cars up close. I thought that was a win. Uh, you know, they paved under the grandstands. So, you know, the fans were able to get out of the sun. Oh, wow. Enjoy yeah, you know, there was a lot of upgrades. So, you know, an enormous amount of upgrades, and, and they'll just keep doing that. We do know that they have a three-year contract, so we know the Cup Series will be back here at least another two years. That's uh, that's fantastic news uh, right there. 
Um, really wanted to uh, say, I, I tell you what, um, I, I thought it was an amazing race. Uh, obviously, the racing on the track was great. Was great. But when you looked at the stands from you know from the uh, the the broadcast, I mean they were jam packed. There was people everywhere. They were cheering. They were having fun, and it, the weather was perfect. It was just uh, it was just a, a great day all the way around. Not only that, but you go to Saturday, Richard Petty Day with the with the uh, truck race, and even go to Friday over at uh, uh, Tri City Speedway where the World of Outlaws were running. It was just a great weekend all around. Yeah, Granite City, Tri-City Speedway. Uh, uh, maybe it wasn't their biggest crowd ever, but it had to be close. Uh, they were shoulder to shoulder. Kenny Schrader would always ask me, what's the crowd like? I said, it's good. He goes, are they shoulder to shoulder? <laughs> so, you know, people always trying to judge, you know, always trying to judge, you know, how how's it look? And uh, Granite was slam-packed. People were in the, in the, in the pit area. Most people – you know, I would say a lot of the people that came up to me, I had, you know, I was trying to work on my race car at, at Tri-City Speedway over there in Grand City. And, you know, 90% of the people that came up to me, they were from out of town and they were there for the NASCAR race. So that was a really good deal that they combined everything. And then I, I want to add one more thing. You can always tell when it's a good race because on Sunday uh, I looked uh at the people in the grandstands, and they were all standing. When people stand, that means that, damn it, they want to see, you know, right. and uh, they were excited. Absolutely. Well, I was a little disappointed. Obviously, you know, I'm a big, huge uh, Kyle Bush fan. I thought he was going to pull it out at the end, but uh, what a great move by Logano uh, right at the end to uh, secure the win. Uh, I thought it, I thought the racing on the track was was great as well. I'll throw one more thing to you, Kenny, before I let you go. And I'm a little, little disappointed. How great would it have been to have Carl Edwards there? Well, you know, I did a YouTube special on that that caught me off guard. You know, right at 400,000 views now. Uh, it was David Wilson, the president of Toyota uh, TRD, Toyota Research Development. He come out about a month ago and said. Uh, you know, we were very disappointed in NASCAR throwing the fake caution. And I'm like, what? Right. And I read, I read it. And, uh, you know, we, we know that, that Carl left with a broken heart. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if it'll ever come out again, uh, but he will answer my text. And I just don't feel like calling him anymore because he's made it very clear he's done. So it would have been awesome. I would really have liked to have seen Carl Edwards go in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And, uh, yeah, we, I wish he could have held on a little longer because Carl Edwards was a, a special talent. Nope, you're absolutely right. Hey, Kenny, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on Sports Open Line. Always great insights that you that you bring to the table every time. Again, great seeing you on uh, on the broadcast. And uh, good luck with your dirt car, man. I know you're just uh, you're humping it all over the country with that car. <laughs> We're having a good time. Lima, Ohio. Lima Land Speedway this Friday night. So uh, thank you very much. All right. That's our good friend Kenny Wallace. This is Sports Open Line. We're going to take a little break, going to change it up. We're going to talk a little hardwood. That's right. Earl Austin Jr. is going to join us, talk a little basketball up next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
Welcome back. You know it. You love it. You can't live without it. That's right. Sports Open Line here on KMOX on this beautiful Monday evening. Greg Damon hanging out with you, uh, heading up to uh, uh, the last part of the show. But I got to tell you, folks, our next guest, I am so excited to have our next guest on. I've been a fan of his for many, many years. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I can't tell you how giddy I am right now having, uh, having our next guest on. Uh, he is the most authoritative person I know about basketball. I've uh, been watching him, been listening to him forever. Earl Austin Jr. joins us here on the program. Earl, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Well, thank you, Greg, for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and uh, i got to tell you, I'm so excited to talk to you and talk a little uh, hoops action. Uh, you, you have been, uh, for me personally, uh, it, it just blows me away every time because you know every player from every team in every city and <laughs> every high school, and uh, it's just uh, it's just a wealth of knowledge. And, I, I, I mean, I'm, I just sit in awe to listen to you talk. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> no, yeah, no pressure. No pressure. Uh, so uh, I wanted to have you on, talk a little uh, hoops action. Uh, obviously, the finals going on, the NBA, two powerhouse teams going at it uh, with St. Louis's own Jason Tatum on the uh, uh, on the Boston Celtics and obviously Steph, Steph Curry on the uh, Golden State Warriors. I have to tell you, Earl, I, uh, between my house here at Casa Damon it is a bloodbath because my son is a diehard Warriors fan and I'm a diehard Celtics fan. Oh, yes, yes. Split loyalty. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a rough one in the house. That's right. These last two days. That's right. So we're yelling at each other, uh, you know, across uh, across the house all the time. That's fun. That that that's what that makes it fun though, because it's gonna I think it's gonna be like that for another two weeks because uh, I'm anticipating a long series. Obviously, Boston, uh, really, that I think that opening salvo caught a lot of people by surprise. Not how did it, what that they won, because they've been great on the road throughout the postseason, but how they did it coming from, uh, they were comfortably behind. Looked like Golden State was going to cruise to that win, and Boston just exploded in that fourth quarter. And then Golden State, you know, responded like you thought as champions would, three-time champions over the past five, six years, and uh, even in series. So, uh goes back to Beantown, and obviously the stakes rise with each game and the intensity level and the physicality and all of that. So it's going to get fun now the next couple of nights. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you brought the physicality. <clears throat> I thought game two, there was a lot of physical action going on in that, uh, in that, in that game. Oh, no question. And you knew it was going to happen. See, Golden State was 9-0, and and were pretty solid, pretty solid wins throughout the postseason. And the way they lost it, they gave up a 40 spot in the fourth quarter, and Boston really just basically stunned everybody in the crowd to, right. to take that win. So Golden State, that was probably you know that was their game seven you know, last night for Golden State, and they 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 uh, uh, approached it like a game seven. It's all out. We got to be as physical as we can. We we got can't take plays off, and uh, that's the way they approach it. Because like you said, we can't go down to nothing. At home to start the series, that would put that would put even a team as experienced and seasoned, being down two nothing, would put them in a tremendous hole going back to Boston, and that's how they approached it. And uh, uh, for a half, Boston was able to respond, but Golden State hit them with that big third quarter, like they did in game one. And this time, Boston the lead was too big. Yeah, they they couldn't uh, couldn't recover for it. But I want to go back to game one. It was funny that. Uh, you know, Boston arguably had the uh, probably the best defense all year long, or one of the best defenses, I should say, all year long. Here's obviously Golden State just uh, 
man, they can just they can pound the three ball. And uh, not only that, but, you know, they're prolific scorers. You know, top uh, four guys can score almost any time. Uh, so I thought it was going to be a big, you know, defensive battle against offense. Uh, that game one, the fourth quarter, really, uh, I, I was I was stunned at watching how well, Boston just turned it on. Because Golden State, the first quarter, I mean, you thought the game was over at the end of the first quarter. Well, that's, that's what the key was. Steph hit him with a big 21.6 threes. Usually, that's like a first-round knockout. But it was a four-point game afterwards. I mean, Steph hit him with everything, and it was 33-29. And I think that was the thing going into the series. People looked at it as the prolific Golden State offense against the incredible Boston defense. But what we learned, if you watch during the playoffs as well, that Golden State has a very stout defense, and Boston has an explosive offense with multiple weapons as well. You know, And I think we've seen examples of both of that. In both these games, uh, they, like you said, Golden State can really turn it on defensively when they want to. While Boston has had six different guys get at least 20 points in a in a postseason game, and then in the seventh, Pritchard had like a 15-16 in a, in a key game. I think against Milwaukee. So both teams have multiple, and that's why that's what makes it so intriguing. They they've got to the championship beating teams that really had one maybe two incredible offensive players like Boston that went to Katie and Kyrie then Giannis then Jimmy Buckets while you know obviously Golden State had to face Joker and Luka you know right teams that had basically one dominant guy well these two teams have multiple guys obviously Steph uh, Clay, you know, you know, in a pool, and obviously Jason and Ju- and uh, Jalen. But the, and and February parts, the other parts are guys that can hit open shots and break games open if you let them. So that's what makes these two teams uh, uh, so they're, they're so equally matched, and they're so they have a lot of diverse weapons when they both play good defense. You brought up uh, some of the players from uh, from the different teams. I, I want to talk uh, one of the notes that I wrote down. I want to talk about Al Holford. I mean, here's 400-year-old Al Holford playing like he's a spring chicken. Yeah, I mean, incredible game with, like, well, game four in Milwaukee, you saw him after, you know, 12 score, 30 points. And this was after Giannis dunked on him and kind of and kind of waved and shimmied at him or whatever. And Alvin just kind of nodded. And then Al went off with 16 in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And then, and then you see a, a game one when he scored 26 points. Well, he's been consistently – I mean, he didn't do well in this last game, but he's been a consistent force shooting the basketball and uh, obviously that veteran leadership, rebounding and playing good defense throughout. And like you said, not only because he's 36 years old, but this is his first you – know, he's played in a ton of playoff games, but this is his first opportunity to play in a final and uh, so he's really, you know, you know, he, he, he's probably going to play with as much urgency as anybody out there because he's late in his career and he's getting his first chance to win a championship. So, yeah, he's, it's been amazing. It was amazing for him to pick him back up from Oklahoma City, and that just kind of really solidified what was already a great unit, made him even tougher, and a big reason why they're there in the finals. Yeah, I, I think he's been rejuvenated and, and really just, uh, I mean, he is, he is in it to win it. Uh, every every time he's on the on the uh, court, in fact, the other night when uh, uh, Draymond Green uh, dunked over him, he just kind of like you said, you know, he just turned around and kind of like, okay, I got you. And then, yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, he's 15 years, he's been dunked on, hit, all that. Like I said, he's gone with LeBron in the East, and like I said, that that doesn't say like you said, the the what Giannis dunked on him and it woke him up. You know, he's one of those guys. He's one of them quiet. 
you know, almost like a Tim Duncan-like uh, persona, very quiet, but uh, it's tense and uh, steely. And then when something like that happens to him, it just kind of fuels him a little bit. And I think you'll see a big, big Al Horford performance after it's scoring only two points last night and uh, got roughed up a little bit. I think that'll fuel him to have a, a good performance uh, Wednesday night in Boston. Hey, uh, Earl, I got to take a little business here, do a little business. Can you hang with me some more? Why, sure. All right, fantastic. Folks, we are visiting with Earl Austin, Jr. He is the SLU Billiken basketball broadcaster, and he's hanging with us here on Sports Open Line. We're going to do a little business. Be right back. Welcome back, my friends. It is uh, KMOX's Sports Open Line right here in the heart of Mid-America in St. Louis. Coming to you from KMOX. My name is Greg Damon. We are talking a little hardwood action with uh, the, the uh, I guess, our resident basketball guru, or should I say sensei, Earl Austin Jr. has been kind enough to join us. Earl, thanks again for hanging out with us. No problem. Enjoying it. Do you like sensei better or guru? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so we're talking a little bit about uh, about the finals, and we yeah. talked a little bit about uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I wanted to uh, talk uh, about uh, Draymond Green, and uh, obviously got a technical foul. They were almost going to call him for another technical foul. I mean, this is one guy that you know he's got to stay focused and and stay out of trouble. Uh, but that that's that's one and the same. Staying focused is creating trouble. That's part of his persona. <laughs> and I think what we saw, though, in, in game one was very un-Draymond Green-like in that you saw him trying to score. Right. You know, they were they were, they were were taking the ball out of a lot of guys' hands, and you saw Draymond trying to score. That's not what he does now. At this point in his career, he used to be able to score a little bit along with all the other intangibles and, and ball handling the defense. And that was a disaster. He was like 2 for 12, whatever. So game two, he got back to his roots of being Draymond, being a goon, you know, the tough defense, being the instigator and trying to set a tone physically. And I think the moment, I think, obviously, being down 1-0 at home, the prospect of possibly going down 2-0, uh, it created an urgency, and I think he wanted to create that kind of physicality. So, yeah, he was getting into it with anything in green. That's I think, right. I think he tried to. I think he tried to fight the leprechaun somewhere. He was all over. And, but as he, and, and, and you know, so he, he, he did his job. And like you said, with that, that, that dust up with, uh, with Jalen Brown, yeah, it could have easily been the double technical and he would have been out of the game possibly. But I think I'm watching the live in the, I knew that wasn't going to happen. But I think having Steve Javi confirm it to a national to, to millions of people. <laughs> Still in the tea. I'm like, oh, oh you know that that kind of. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> right, you know. But to see to see a head official, former head official, actually say it, I think that's what got people talking about it more. I mean, Draymond's been you know like this for you know his whole career, and even going back to Michigan, I'd still go back to the NCAA tournament when we played them last minute or two of the game. Uh, we were down two points, uh, and they were one seed. And uh, uh, Cody Ellis, one of our forwards for Australia, uh, he hit Draymond in the elbow with his face and got a foul called on him. Should have been an offensive foul. And they was, it was a, and then he got the one on one. We ended up losing by four. It was Rick Majerus' last game as a Billiken, so, <laughs> so this is nothing new. But I think the fact that Steve Javi brought that up, and then Draymond said, "Oh yeah, I've earned the right to 
you know, I knew I wasn't going to get kicked out. So I think that's what got people. And I think that's what, and I think he just basically said, these guys aren't going to throw me out and challenge them. So I think that's going to have the, that all that will have the intent, the antenna of the league and officials work in the game. I think that's, you know, they used a lot of, he used a lot of political capital to get that win yesterday. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. But yeah, he did his job. He did his job with you. And more important, his team followed suit. They, everybody, they played a, they played at stayed at home, didn't leave shooters open, and they really stepped it up defensively as well. So uh, I think that's what's going to lead to yeah, it. Just bought it, it, the series became way intriguing when Boston won that first game at home. So it, it created the urgency, and it's just really just going to it's always just going to pick up more and more as the series goes along. That's why the excitement comes in. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's going to be a great series for sure. Uh, I got about uh, I got about thirty seconds left here. I just want to get your thoughts on the uh, transfer por- portal, and I got to tell you, I- I'm sure Travis Ford was just like myself, very scared when uh, Yuri Collins said he was leaving. Yeah, it was quite a it was a it was it was a little shaky around campus there for a week, but uh, Yuri decided to come home, and uh, we picked up a couple of good bigs, uh, one in the portal, another freshman who uh, committed seven footer, so. We have a strong nucleus and uh, looking forward to next season. Hopefully uh, avoid injuries and stuff like that. But we're very much looking forward to 2022-23. Should be a lot of fun around Chase next year. Do you think they need to change the uh, transfer portal? Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I think the horses are out of the barn. <laughs> I, think right. that, I mean, I think that it, it, it's better than the other. You may do some tweaks, but. For years, coaches would leave with no penalty, take better jobs while players had to sit out a year. There were times when players would leave. Coaches could, could hold them. They wouldn't release them unless you go to certain schools. So uh, I, I like that players have the freedom now. It, it's a kind of a playing field. And it, it's more the Wild Wild West with the NIL and play, but uh, that's the time we live in now. I like to see the players have that kind of freedom. Not every decision is going to be the best one for them, but – they have that decision now, the right to make that decision, them and their families for them. Well, Earl, I've got about 10 seconds. Your pick, who's winning the uh, championship? Well, I, I, I picked Boston going into the playoffs, so and I picked Boston Golden State, and I just, I had picked Boston as my pick uh, about a month ago when I was on with Mike Claymore, as a matter of fact. So uh, uh, three games away from it. It's going to be tough, but i got to stick with it. All right, thanks. I'm a homer. I'm a homer with Jason. (laughs) All right, well, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Open Line, Earl, and uh, we'll talk real soon. My pleasure. Hey, that's Sports Open Line for this week. Stick around. John Hancock's up next. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.